0: Don't wait until you're not scared to do the thing you want to do. You just do it scared. Even if you're shaking in your stilettos, speak up, stand up and just try anyway.
1: Welcome to the Deus Podcast. My name is Rachel Hollis and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and a Google search bar. Each week we share direct, tangible advice or inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life. You guys, I have a sneaking suspicion that today's episode will be the most popular of this season of Deus because I am thrilled to welcome my dear friend, number one national best-selling author of Business Boutique, host of the Business Boutique podcast, a certified business coach, and a Ramsey personality, Christy Wright. If you guys are not already familiar with this absolute powerhouse, you are about to get such a bad girl crush. Christy's specialty is helping women grow and scale small businesses. So if you've been dreaming about your own Etsy shop or you want to grow and scale the business you already have, this episode is going to blow your mind and make your heart explode. I'm not even kidding. Listen in. Christy, for those people who are living under a rock who do not know who you are, will you give us a little (laughs) bit of your bio and history?
0: Sure. Well, I um, I work for Dave Ramsey. So if you don't know me, a lot of people probably have heard of him. And I'm basically um, one of his Ramsey personalities. I'm a speaker and author. But what my heart is, is um, I just love helping women turn their ideas and hobbies and passions into small businesses or, or even a side business. So I work with women Everything from an Etsy shop or a part-time freelance accounting business all the way up to women running uh, large organizations with, you know, 10, 15, 20 team members. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I really love helping women in those early stages of business where you really want to do something and you're excited, but you don't know what to do. And that's what I've found. Is the most frustrating part of business. It's not having too much to do. It's not knowing what Mm -hmm. to do. And uh, women are willing to work hard. They're willing to take the steps if we show them the steps. And uh, they love checklists and to do lists. So that's kind of really what I I boil it down to through the Business Boutique, which is the title of my book, also the title of the podcast, the event, our online academy. It's all under the Business Boutique brand. But whatever way that you interact with us, it's really just to give you the steps you need to chase your version of success and start your business uh, in the way that you want to, to reach your goals.
1: I love that. And you were inspired. Your mom owned a small business. Is that right?
0: Yeah. She actually started a little bakery when I was six months old to raise and support me. And so I was raised in the business, literally at times, like I would spend the night there and I would go there at two and three in the morning when she had to bake. And so I had a front row seat to this incredible woman that, you know, didn't get dealt a great hand of cards. You know, she um, didn't plan to be a single mom, didn't plan to uh, not have a plan. You know, she just kind yeah. of was scrappy and resourceful and made it work. But what an unbelievable example that was for me of uh, being persistent and persevering through challenges. And, and we had a lot of challenges, you know, it was a struggle with her being a single mom and running a business. But that's certainly what made me into who I am today. So what I tell people all the time is I didn't make it dis fight the struggle. I made it because of the struggle. And, uh, and I think it's just such a powerful example to women that may be listening right now that are single moms or going through some type of challenge in their life, which we all have at different stages and thinking, oh man, am I harming my kids? Mm-hmm. You know, is my business taking away? Is this making me a bad mom? And what I tell mm-hmm. women all the time is it doesn't make you a bad mom. It makes you a better mom. Yep. And in fact, you're you're teaching something powerful to your children through your example. So that's that's what it has been for me with my mom. And then of course, I, I went on to get my own education and business and become a certified business coach and so on. Uh, but those early stages is really what kind of started it all for me.
1: I loved hearing how you got your start as uh, essentially what ended up becoming you as a personality for for the Ramsey organization and how it was you kind of seeing an opportunity or a, um, an area that needed some someone to fill it and you raised your hand. And I think that that's right. something that so many women um, hesitate to do is stand up and say like, you know what, I'll figure this out or I think I've got an idea. Can you tell us that story?
0: Yeah, Oh, I would love to. So um, this was back in 2009. So a long time ago before there were Ramsey personalities or other speakers on this platform or anything. It was just Dave Ramsey. So everything was done by Dave, and um, his daughter, Rachel Cruz, which I'm sure many people know, was graduating college that May of 2010, and she was going to come on our team as kind of the face of the youth brands and teens and young adults and that kind of thing, and um, we didn't really have a full plan for her, but she was just going to be in that market somehow, mm-hmm. and uh, so somehow, the spring of 2010, some people in our organization had worked out an arrangement with a conference where they signed Rachel up to speak at 20 different dates that summer and um, and it was gonna be a great arrangement where she would speak and deliver keynote addresses um, and then she would get the reps and the practice of being a speaker for this market so somehow that spring because I was over the youth department and really all I did at that time was develop products so Bible studies and piggy banks and that's kind of what I did well because I worked with youth I inherited this whole arrangement this whole ordeal of Rachel and this conference and uh, so About two weeks before Rachel was supposed to go on the road, she was just graduating college and coming home. uh, The conference sent us the travel schedule, and it was awful. Um, They had booked all the flights through Expedia, which were the the cheapest flights possible. You had two and three connections. She was in a different state every single day and spending 16 to 18 hours a day in an airport or on a plane, which was just stupid. Like, it was just ridiculous. So Dave looked at that schedule. And in all of his years of wisdom and experience, he's like, I don't think so. Uh, She's not doing this. And so he kind of pulled her from 10 of those dates. He said she can do 10. She's not doing all 20 of these. But because I had inherited this whole arrangement that spring, somehow, even though I didn't set it up, I'd kind of taken it over as the liaison. I had to be the one that was the bearer of bad <laughs> news to the conference saying, hey, by the way, so sorry, uh, I know this starts in two weeks, and I know that you think she's coming for 20 events, but she's not. Um, so I would not really thought it through. I just thought through that point of delivering the bad news. And when I did, the guy at the conference, his name was Chase, a uh, really nice guy, he said, Christy, what am I going to do? Like, I've yeah. got her booked for twenty events, and uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, I'll do them. And he said, Can you speak? And I said, I think so. <laughs> You're like, I'm pretty and, sure. Uh, Rachel, I've never spoken in my life. <laughs> I just, I just am a problem solver. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is, I went on the road that summer. I went to all twenty events myself. I went to ten and spoke, and then went to the other ten with Rachel and did her AV. And then that fall we created a speakers group and it was really out of a need where we saw we were getting about 3000 requests per year for Dave Ramsey to come speak that he could not do. And so we thought, wow, we need more speakers, you know, to help these people. And um, so they created a speakers group and just slid me on in there. No audition, (laughs) no application. (laughs) It was just because I'd proven myself that summer. But you know what I tell a lot of women I work with, regardless of what type of business they're in or if they're in corporate America or small business is some of the best opportunities in your career are not a job that's posted, mm-hmm. but a problem that you solve. And when you solve that problem, that thing becomes your job. In fact, Sheryl Sandberg talks about this in Lean In. Mm-hmm. And so don't look for the best position, look for problems to solve yep. and prove yourself and show your value. And then over time, that thing could become your job. It could be, become a position you create for yourself. And, um, and that's certainly what I've done. That's certainly kind of a, am uh, a product of that now, even almost 10 years later.
1: Yeah. I think what I dig about this story, I, I feel like, forgive me. I think we talked about this and maybe, maybe I've just had not had enough sleep with all of my children, but, um, <laughs> the idea that women, you know a, a man looks at a job description like this is just a study that they've done a man looks at a job description and he's like ah, I can do like half those things and so he will apply for a job even though he's not fully qualified right. and women tend to look at a job description or an opportunity and they want to feel like they are a hundred percent qualified right. for the thing that they're going after before they'll even try um, That's exactly- but i do want to um, look at the the specific things that you did so you didn't just raise your hand and go oh shoot I'll." figure it out. You also, um, you were the one that had written the speeches, right? So you, what were the things that you sort of had in your bag of tricks to go, you know what, I'm qualified at least enough to be the one who raises my hand?
0: Right, right. Well, I think there's a great kind of root issue here. And it's interesting because, you know, I just got off the road, Rachel, as we were talking about, and I was speaking in Portland, Oregon, and I was speaking for uh, Dutch Brothers Coffee Company. It was their um, annual training. It was about a thousand young leaders in there. And we did a Q&A afterwards and they all asked me, um, or not all of them, but there was this theme that I just kept getting asked about my confidence. Mm. I was asked in the q and I was yes. asked backstage, I was asked by the leaders. They're like, where does that come from? Like, how do you get that? And I thought, wow, what a great question. If you could bottle that, Mm -hmm. you could sell that all day long. Um, but here's, here's kind of my answer to that, which I think is the root of why I was willing to raise my hand, which is what you're asking here. Why did Mm -hmm. I raise my hand? What did, um, why did I think that I could do that when a man may look at a job description and think, Oh, I could totally do it. You know, a lot of times Mm -hmm. women don't for me. It's a combination of factors. Certainly, uh, I'm an extrovert, so it's a little bit, it is a little natural for me. I did watch my mom growing up, so I'm a product of multiple different variables. But I'll tell you the one thing that I think kind of created the confidence I have in my life is that I'm willing to try. So what I mean by that is, you're not going to be confident if you don't have any proof to stand on. If I've never walked on a stage in my whole life Mm -hmm. and given a speech, I'm not going to be confident I'm a great speaker. If I was, that's, that's a little bit arrogant and not Mm self-aware because I have no proof there. Right. But I'm willing to try. Mm -hmm. And if I'm willing to try and be scared Mm -hmm. in those first few attempts, that first stage, the second, you know, speaking engagement and so on, then after three or five events or three or five years now, when I walk on stage, that confidence is so authentic because I have proof. Yes, I am a good speaker, have years to prove it. But all of that points back to the first initial willingness to try, the willingness to raise my hand and say... I could try. Yeah, I mean, I could try to give a speech. I've never done it, but I could try or speak up in a meeting. You know, I I think I have a different idea. Mm-hmm. I'm actually raising my hand right now, Rachel. No, no <laughs> one is in the room. me, <laughs> ah. I'm literally raising my hand. Yes, I'm like I'm. I'm giving you this example, even yes. though no one, this is audio. Only no one can see your hand, Chrissy. Um, <laughs> but but raise your hand in a meeting and say what if we did it differently mm-hmm. or challenge the flow of the conversation you know the the flow of the meeting conversation is go in one way and you think you know what i don't think this is wise and and to have the confidence to raise your hand and say you know I think we should do something different. And it's not that you you have to be the smartest, it's not that it's a guaranteed win. It's just simply the willingness to try, which means the willingness to fail yeah. and fall and learn and make mistakes. And so I think that's what it comes down to. Confidence is built by having wins, but you can't have wins if you don't try. Yeah. And so um you know we were talking about solving problems, but uh when when he said I need a speaker and I was like well, I'll do it. And I didn't know if I could be a speaker, but I knew that I could try. And then, when we needed to write the speech and um the first draft that came across my desk from someone else in the company that wrote it that was not going to connect with teens in mm-hmm. my experience with teens, I thought, well, I could try to write one. Yeah, you know, and so it was always this attitude of, I was willing to try. It didn't mean that I was fearless, not, not by a long shot. I was very scared when I walked on that first stage. I was ve- I've was i been scared many times when I've spoken up in meetings, but I still speak up anyway. And it's what yeah. I tell women again and again. Don't wait until you're not scared to do the thing you want to do. You just do it scared. Even if you're shaking in your stilettos, speak <laughs> up, stand up, and just try anyway.
1: So let me ask this then. Um, you, you say it's a willingness to try, but does failure ever play into your mind? What? Right. Like, this is just massive fear of failure. Right. And I think social media only seem to amplify that for people. So now, if I fail, not only does my close circle know, but maybe, you know, the popular girl from high school knows because she sees it on Facebook. So right. does failure ever come into your mind? Yes. Or, okay. Yes, a hundred
0: percent. And and it's interesting because you were talking about research a minute ago, but research shows that as early as childhood, little girls are more risk averse than little boys. Mm -hmm. So little girls break sooner when riding their bicycles than little boys do. And when they have a mistake or when they have a fall, boys attribute it to outside factors like oh man it was something else couldn't have been me
1: ran over (laughs) a rock
0: yeah Uh, exactly whereas little girls internalize it and I'm a failure and and in fact they show as early as age six little girls never want to make the same mistake twice okay let's fast forward here Rachel and look at the implications of that in business as men and women okay men have no problem failing getting back up and going again because it's outside factors couldn't have been me yeah women Never want to make the same mistake twice. So if you've ever disappointed someone, if you've ever had a product flop or a launch just be an embarrassment, you make a mental note, I'm never going to do that again. And the reality of business is there is risk. You will fall. And when you start to realize that failure is possible, and it's not fun. Like let's all just acknowledge it's not fun and I don't wish that. But when you start to realize that it's a normal part of the journey, and uh, it's just necessary. In fact, I tell people you can't succeed unless you fail along the way. Mm -hmm. Then it just forces you to do it anyway. You know that it could be a failure and afterwards you're still embarrassed and it hurts. Um, When people are mean on Facebook, it hurts. It Mm -hmm. doesn't. Uh, I don't think you ever outgrow that or outperform that. Um, and if you do, you've probably lost a little bit of your soul and the, the thing that gives you that edge of caring so much about people. Um, but I love the quote by Michael Jordan. I'm going to try to not screw this up. <laughs> but Michael Jordan, who's the arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, he said, in my career, I have missed more than 3,000 shots. I have lost 300 games and 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and I missed. Mm-hmm. I have failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. You know, Babe Ruth, as another sports analogy, is known as the home run king. He was also known as the strikeout king. You can't have one without the other. And so, Even though I would love to give your listeners a perfect formula to overcome failure or to avoid failure, I just want to give you the comfort of knowing it's normal and I just want you to do it anyway. I want you to fall off the horse, dust yourself off, and get back on and ride again. Because the only way you're gonna get there is if you do that. And all of the, you know, people we follow and see and admire, they have Tons of failures. Um, you know people like Oprah and Taylor Swift and Dave Ramsey—they've got a track record of failures. You just don't see that. Yeah. All you see right now are the successes, but they are built on a pile of failures.
1: Absolutely. Oh, so good. So for anyone who just heard that, now they're they're inspired. You're you're like, okay, I'm gonna try it, even if it means that I'm gonna fail. They've always wanted to start this business, either a side hustle or full time thing or whatever it is. Where do they start?
0: Okay, so this is something that um, depending on what the industry is, depending on their stage of business, uh, this is going to sound kind of general, but, I, but I'm keeping it general because depending on the type of industry, it, it may vary. Sure. I want them to identify the low-hanging fruit yep. and do that. I want them to identify the quick wins and do that. So, see, some people may have this big dream business that I want to create an app, and the app is going to, you know, help you organize your pantry and tell you, you know, whatever. Um, that may be the Cadillac version. <laughs> what is the low hanging fruit? What can you do today? to help a person and get paid for it. See, I get asked this question all the time, Rachel, people say, how do I make my business an official business? I have this little side business, but I want to make it an official business. And you can tell they're saying it like, this is this big proclamation. And I'm like, yes. well, are you helping people? And they say, yes. And I say, are you getting paid? Yes. They say, yes. I'm like, congratulations, you're in, you're, business. in, you're like, in <laughs>
1: business. Exactly.
0: That's it. It's that simple. So uh, for someone wanting to start, for someone Wanting to take that first step, I would say identify what that first step is for you. You may have a big dream, a big goal, a big vision, a big business. I want you to back out of that. What is one baby step you can do today that's the low-hanging fruit that's going to be a quick win where you get this confidence, this momentum under your belt that's going to motivate you And push you to take the second baby step and the third baby step and so on. Because so much about this journey, and you know this from experience, Rachel, it's so much about momentum. It's so much about one foot in front of the other. You never are going to get discovered. I'm sorry. No one's coming to show up at your house and go, here's your opportunity in a box. Like (laughs) It's just the daily grind that's not really glamorous that leads to the place you want to be and the business you want to have. But just find that baby step. So maybe if you want to have an online community the first step is simply buying a url or writing that first blog if you want to be a professional speaker it's going down to your local community center and speaking for free maybe if it's uh launching a huge line of clothes maybe it's as simple as you know sewing that first dress or putting up one outfit on an etsy store it's not fancy and it's not impressive and it's not anything that you know they're going to have parades in your honor over but you know what that baby step is going to fuel the next one and the next one and so on. And eventually you get to where you want to be, but it's got to be that daily grind to get started. So just figuring out that first step for you, what is the low hanging fruit? What is the quick win that's going to give you confidence and propel you forward? That's the most important thing you can do is get moving.
1: So as, um, as an entrepreneur, something, and I've been, gosh, I've owned a business for 13 years. So real long time. Thank you, Lord. We're still trucking along here. Yeah. But, um, One of the things that I feel like has happened in the last, I don't know, handful of years, and I think social media plays a huge part in this, is um, kind of making entrepreneurialism, making owning your own business, glamorous or fancy. Right. Um, right. And the two things that it does, it I think that it, it makes other people, uh, women especially, afraid to start anything because they think, well, what I'm going to build is so small compared to what I'm seeing on social media. So right. just to start there, I'd love to hear your wisdom on every season matters. Every season, just that one dress on Etsy matters, and it's how you build on top of that season and grow from there that is how you determine the kind of company you're going to have.
0: Right. Well, and I think it it goes back to what we were saying of you look at these celebrities or people that are hugely successful and think that they woke up there, and they Mm -hmm. didn't. You know, they were – a beginner. And so uh, one of the things I teach at my event is I say, give yourself permission to be a beginner, give yourself permission to launch the 1.0 version. And what that means is you do it before it's perfect, because 80% shipped is better than 100% perfect and not shipped. Mm -hmm. And so you just want to get some things out there. But I'll tell you, one of the one of the things that people miss and and I, I bet this is true for you too, Rachel, of like what you've experienced in your thirteen years in business, people really underestimate the value of market feedback. So they think, well, I've got to have this perfect product before I launch but you don't know what perfect is. What you need to do is launch an imperfect product and the market will tell you, hey, could you add this handle here? Could you add this feature? The leather falls apart. I really wish that it had a pocket for my phone on the outside of this purse. (laughs) The market will tell you and you iterate and iterate and iterate. And then after years and years and years, you have a, almost perfect product, but you're never done iterating if you're never done listening to the market. And that's how you stay relevant. Because the moment you put something out there and turn your back and think that you're done, you put your feet up, you're not, you know, you're going to become irrelevant. Someone else is going to outbusiness you. And so um, that's the real value, I think, of being a beginner is because you're putting something out there and saying, I know it's not perfect. I know I'm a beginner. I'm just getting started. But you're going to learn from the market. They're going to tell you what you need more or less of. And, um, and, and those early stages too of business that teaches you more about business than any textbook or college course could, because Mm -hmm. you are in the grind and you're learning how to deal with customers and how to manage your money. And you're going to learn the most by doing so get out there and get moving. It's kind of like, I I equate it to parenting. Like, I don't know if you remember, uh, before you started a family, Rachel, if you had this thought, but I remember before I had kids, I thought I'm so ready. I'm just (laughs) ready. This is the right (laughs) stage of life. Oh my like i've got this <laughs> i know what to expect i've read the books watch my friends like i'm ready it's like what a freaking joke, like you are never Never ready ready. for how that's going to rock your world. And it's the same true in business, like you're never ready. So just get out there ready or not, you're going to learn the most by doing so get moving and let the market teach you and let the business teach you what you need to do better, and how you can serve them better. Because that's that experience is priceless.
1: Absolutely. It's also worth saying, too, if you spend all of that time obsessing over what the product is, the thing that you're designing for now, nine months from now might not be relevant. Um, I think that we see this all the time. You know, I I work in lifestyle media and we have all of these huge brands as clients because I'm able to sit in a room with these big partners of ours and talk about I have 700,000 fans on Facebook and I have that without a budget. So I didn't pay for those fans, I just paid attention to what they responded to. So I would put up a picture of this, or I would talk about that, or I would share back in the day a recipe on cupcakes or pot roast. And when they liked the pot roast recipe more than they liked the cupcake recipe, I did more of that, and I think it's like yes, and it's so baffling to me. I'll go to different conferences. I'm asked to speak quite a bit on social media, and I will. I'll I'll be sitting in a room with hundreds of women, and I'll say like, guys, you just pay attention to what your audience likes, and you do more of that thing. And people like feverishly taking notes, like, oh my gosh, of course, of course, you would listen to your audience. But because you're putting the cart before the horse, and because you're trying to have a business that looks like hers when your business is still in its infancy, you, you can't even digest that. It doesn't make sense to you. So I am well, and in.
0: I, well, and two, one of the things I've been kind of like wrestling with, I know you're, you're a content machine as well as I am. And so I'm always taking notes on my phone of like just ideas I'm wrestling through. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'm kind of working through right now that I'm going to put out, I don't know if I'm going to do an Insta story or a blog, I'll, I'm going to do something on it, but there's a lot of messages out there to business owners that if you can't be the best, don't do it. Like if you don't offer something that no one else offers, there's no place for you. If you're not going to be the best in your business, in your service, in your industry, then don't even bother. I could not disagree more. I'm not the best business coach in the world, but by God, I'm adding value to a lot of people's lives. And 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 you look at our whole world, like what a ludicrous idea. Now, if you want to be the Oprah Winfrey, and and that's your goal then maybe if you can't be the best don't do it sure that (laughs) might work for you but if you just want to help people if you just want to add value then there's a lot of coffee shops in this country that aren't starbucks yeah there are a lot of um you know people in technology that are not working at apple there are a lot of uh business coaches that are not you know gary vaynerchuk or social Mm -hmm. media experts or Mm -hmm. so on. and so i just feel like that we get this idea in our head that if i can't be the best if i'm not so perfectly different that I'm that this has never been done before then there's no point to try and I'm like oh man you're you're missing out on the market you don't have to be the best to add value and I think God has something unique that only you can do even if it's not going to be on the Forbes 100 list you know there's there's an important uh impact that you can make
1: hey guys we'll be back in a hot minute with more of this interview but now a quick word from a sponsor I'm a bad mom. I need a drink. I'll start tomorrow. Each chapter of Girl Wash Your Face begins with a specific lie I used to believe that left me feeling overwhelmed, unworthy, or ready to give up. As a working mother, a former foster parent, and a woman who has dealt with insecurities about my body and relationship, I try and speak with insight and kindness of your best friend. I want to unhelp women unpack the limiting mindsets that destroy their self-confidence and keep them from moving forward. My book, Girl Wash Your Face, is available everywhere books are sold, and the Audible version is narrated by me. I hope you'll check it out. Y'all, did you know that Barnes & Noble is releasing an exclusive edition of Girl Wash Your Face, and we're calling it The Hustler's Edition. Guess who needs that, you. I signed 2,000 copies of this book. You can only get them on Barnes & Noble. And it includes a bonus chapter for ladies just like us who are getting their hustle on. Also, it costs the same as the book everywhere else, but you are not going to want to sleep on this one. Supplies will not last, so you need to pre-order it now. Hey y'all, do me a favor. While you're listening to today's episode, take a screenshot and put it on Instagram or your Insta stories and tag me. I love hearing what you think and seeing what you're up to and it helps the tribe remember to go listen to this week's episode. Thanks so much. The other thing that I thought of when you were were speaking just a minute ago is the idea, you said like, are you helping people? Are you getting paid for it? Congratulations, you have a business. I think that uh, at least in my experience, And this, again, I feel like is a social media thing, is people are building, and I'm using air quotes, like you raising your hand earlier, right? right. Uh, but I'm using air quotes, people are building businesses with no financial thought to what is happening. I Years and years and years ago, when I owned an event planning company, I went to a conference, and this woman taught a class that was so good called, But Are You Making Any Money?, and it was That's like, great oh, I, great. I know. I'm like, oh, I wish I had thought of that. Uh, but it's like, you know, oh, OK, great. So you have all these fancy. I mean, I'm in L.A. So like all of these people like, oh, my celebrity clients. And the, OK, great, great, great. But are you making any money? And mm-hmm. then, oh, my Etsy shop is beautiful and we have the greatest Instagram feed ever. And it looks like, but are you making any money? So mm-hmm. I would love to hear, I'm sure this is something that you guys cover at the Business Boutique, which by the way, uh, so Christy travels all over the country doing one day events that are so empowering for women who want to start their own company and do their own thing. My older sister, Melody, I was telling you, went to yours and was so on fire. When she came back, she owns a bakery. So um, just as a side note, if you guys are super inspired by what she's saying, you need to go check it out. But I'm sure within those days, especially when you do your, your summit, you touch on, but girl, are you making money? And I would just love to hear, uh, I'd love to hear some wisdom on that for the listeners.
0: Sure. Well, I love that title. Like that's a fantastic title. It just (laughs) cuts to the heart of it. Um, we do an entire session on stage. So the way that our events are structured are, uh, I've identified kind of five main pain points when it comes to women in business in the market that I work with. And so we make sure that every single main stage session, covers those pain points. Um, Having a plan, managing the money is a big piece of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marketing and selling, time management, and then the technical business side of things like business licenses and trademarks and that kind of stuff. And so the money management is an entire session. And really what I spend the time talking about, Rachel, is super simple. It's not very technical. It's not uh, getting into accounting principles. It's really like, hey, listen, listen, you work hard. Yeah. You need to get paid for it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like It's pretty basic. I mean, of course, I talk about like separate bank accounts. But the at the end of the day, uh, women have a love-hate relationship with money. We have all these squirmy feelings about money. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I feel guilty. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take money yep. from another mom. All this yep. stuff. And our emotions are... Are What get in the way of our ability to be successful in business because we have ideas around money that are absolutely false and they're sabotaging our chance of success. So, for example, we have no problem going to Starbucks and paying five dollars and receiving a latte. Yes, because we understand that that is an exchange of value. I'm giving money and I'm receiving a latte. Starbucks wants my money more than the coffee. I want the coffee more than my money. That is an exchange of value. There's no squirmy feelings. No squirming feelings involved because it's just an exchange of value. But when it comes to our business, because our business is so personal, we're putting our heart, our soul, our ideas, our products, our creative work, um, our services out there. We start to feel weird because we're not selling the thing. We feel like we're selling ourselves and um, we feel very uncomfortable about that. So we spend a lot of time too, not just talking about money, but talking about sales because those are so connected and we have weird feelings about both, but I'll, I'll just give you some quick tips because I know we like to keep this tactical. Women have an idea in their head that profit is greed. And what I mean by that is if it costs me $4 in cost of goods in ingredients to bake a cake for you mm-hmm. and I charge you $45, mm-hmm. we have this internal red flag that goes, oh, my God, I'm taking advantage of her by $44. Yes. Or $41. I can't even do math. See, this is a good. Oh, I can't do math at all. I just just,
1: agreed with you. I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, that sounds so right.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So $41. So I'm taking that profit margin is $41. I'm taking advantage of you. And what we don't realize is, number one, that's, of course, not accurate because you've got overhead. You've got team members. You've got lighting. Mm -hmm. You've got time. All these other things. But then that profit has work to do. Even when you get down to the true net profit in your business, you still have to pay taxes out of that. You still need to save to reinvest back into your business. You still need to pay yourself for your hard work. So um, we have this idea that profit is bonus fund money and it's not. That profit is a necessary element in the financial equation of your business. And by the way, if you're a listener right now and you're running a nonprofit and you're thinking this doesn't apply to you, I want to correct you really quickly because nonprofits that have no profit are called closed they're out of business. Every yep. business has Breach. to have profit. Nonprofit is a tax status. It is not uh, an indication of nobility, mm-hmm. worthiness, or even the, you are not exempt from the responsibility to run your business like a responsible person is. Everyone has the same responsibility. And all of us are in, this, in the in the business of serving others, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit, you're in the business of helping people. And when you serve the market well, they will give you as uh, Ken, Ken Blanchard says, they will give you certificates of appreciation with presidents' faces on yes. them. That's the yes. applause the market gives you when yep. you serve them yep. well. And uh, and so, yeah, I have I got soap boxes for days. Oh, Rachel, I know, well, well it, you know it's like, it's such a big barrier and it's so frustrating because it's not accurate.
1: Well, it's something we talked about when we got to meet up, too. is. What is this thing? I mean, you and I are just doing our darndest to like get to the bottom of all the world's problems. So we're still circling sure. around this one. <laughs> but what is this thing with women who are so feel so apologetic for wanting anything for themselves? Right. Who the the thing that I'm encountering over and over and over is women who are just doing so well, like incredible in business. They're fine. They're crushing it. Whatever. And they don't talk about it. They make themselves small. Um, They don't tell you what they really do or what they've really accomplished. Or they'll say, they'll give another reason for it. They'll say things like, well, yeah, I mean, we, uh, you know, we, we did 10 million last year, but like, oh gosh, we're able to help so many people. Or um, my kids are able to, they, they find all the reasons for why they're justified in having a business instead of just saying, man, it makes me really happy. I really like this.
0: Right. Well, and I love what you're saying here because you see this at every level mm-hmm. of success, influence, career, whatever. It's not just the women running ten million dollar businesses. There are women that are making thirty thousand dollars a year that are still downplaying themselves yes. in in meetings and boardrooms. So here's here's what it comes down to. I don't know. Have you read uh, Lean In by Sheryl oh, Sandberg? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in the in the first few chapters, this is an older book, but what I love is it. There's so much research in there, and she talks about how a man, gender stereotypes, which mm-hmm. are very Real by the way, like I'm not gonna go any, you know, rants or anything, but it's it's a reality <laughs> in our world yeah. that there are gender stereotypes. And when a man acts assertive or speaks up, he's seen favorably mm-hmm. by both men and women. And when a woman acts assertive and speaks up. She's seen negatively Mm -hmm. by both men and women. Mm -hmm. So, so this is something in our psyche where we are subconsciously making ourselves very small. We're downplaying everything because we are afraid of how we're going to come off. Lord help us if we come off as a B to everyone else. And so we want to make sure that never happens. Now I do want to give a disclaimer here. Women, what I've seen, and I was just talking about this to a, a leadership group last week, I've noticed in my coaching and in my experience that many women err on one of two extremes. Either they make themselves so small. They play everything down. Oh, it's just this this outfit. Oh, this old thing. Yeah. Oh, I got it on the sale rack at Target. Oh, this dinner <laughs> that took 17 hours. Oh, it was nothing. It took no time. I mean, basically no yeah. time at all. Yeah. You know, we downplay everything, which is just not accurate. So okay, real. it's not accurate accurate so that's the one side that we err on or you got the other side where these women i got a whole nother rant for them they are burning bras and carrying <laughs> banners and they're like i am feminazi i am going to you know take th-. and they're they're losing credibility that yeah. way because they're so aggressive and overcompensating yes. treat me like a man give me yeah. and, and and cause an they're not aware of their environment going what they're going into so I'll give you a great example. I think that women would just be uh, so much more successful in making and what that impact looks like to them, whether it's uh, swaying a meeting or um, growing their business or g- gaining a big client. They'd be so much more successful if they didn't go to one of those two extremes and they just sat very happily in the middle. Mm-hmm. And here's what the middle looks like to me. It means you have the humility to understand that you may not be the smartest or the most experienced, that you don't have all the best ideas, and you certainly are coachable and have things to learn, mm-hmm. um, like anyone should have, by the way, a man or a woman. So you have a humble spirit coming in, um, and you also are aware of your environment where there may be gender stereotypes, but you care more about the impact than you do about um, – being super aggressive and proving your point, uh, treat me like an equal, et cetera. But you don't use these words that dismiss your credibility. And so um, you still speak up. You raise your hand here. I go raise my hand again, put your shoulders back and you say things with confidence, with authority, um, but with kindness and humility. And when you can blend those two, you can sit there right there in the middle where you are seen as a confident authority on whatever the thing is, as, as you know, a trustworthy source on whatever your thing you're working on. But, also humble and likable and approachable um and so i think when you can sit there in the middle you can make the most impact so i i wrote a blog um a few years ago i just reposted it three words women need to take out of the vocabulary so if we're going to get tactical here if anyone's taking notes here are three words i want women to stop saying all the time okay Number one is just. Yes. Number two yes! is mean. Yeah. And number three is sorry when it's yes, not appropriate. So, sorry. I'm so, so, so glad st- you're
1: saying just because I yes, agree if you're in a meeting, completely. Yep. It's
0: like, well, I just think we might uh-huh. need to try something new. Uh-huh. No, instead, take that word out and yep. the sentence is so much more powerful. I think we need to try something new. Yep. Or, I mean, can't he work a different schedule? You sound like a teenager. Yep. Take out mean and say, can't he work a different schedule Yeah. or can he work? And then I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have a question. I'm sorry. Yep. Your desk is in my way. I'm sorry. You just yep. ran over me. I'm, no, you know what? Stop <laughs> being sorry. Stop being yep. sorry for your voice, yep. for your presence, for your seat at the table, for your very existence, for your yep. business and your goals and your dreams. Stop being sorry. You have nothing to be sorry for. If women Amen. would just remove those three words yep. right there, instantly their credibility would increase. And again, it's not swaying on the extreme of being a jerk, but, when, when we downplay and we have this false humility and this pitiful presence, mm-hmm. we're not just doing a disservice to the people around us and how they perceive us. We're doing real damage to our own sense of self. Yeah, and- that is creating our our beliefs about ourselves, and that is dangerous because you will become what you think about. You will start to fulfill that. Will become a self fulfilling prophecy.
1: Amen. There's um the word just is something that I have had to teach myself. I don't say it often um, vocally, but I used to say it all the time in emails. Mm-hmm. And I realized that saying just is it's um it's an in it in and of itself it's an apology. Like, Absolutely. oh, I'm just – I oh, all the time with clients, I would start an email and say, I just wanted to follow up on that proposal and right. see if you guys had any thoughts. Right. But even in that right. case, I'm asking permission to have sent you an email in the first place. When right. if, if we're in an exchange like this, we're obviously doing business together. So right. it's it's one of those things you really do have to – Catch yourself. Um, you do. Yeah. The, the the one word that I'll add because I thought – I was like, oh, she's going to just list all my words. I want to add the word should. Yes. A, you know, like we have to stop shoulding all over ourselves. Yes. Like we, I should yes. do this. I should be that. I should have gone there. I should have said yes. I should have said no. Whatever it is, Stop. Stop, like, thinking that you somehow missed out. You're somehow not enough. You're somehow because you should be like her or do that or go there.
0: Well, Um, And and I love that because, Rachel, that's such a fantastic word. And that's not at all what I thought you were going to (laughs) say. I thought you were going to take it a different direction because then, as soon as you said it, um, and I love that you know, we put out what we believe about ourselves. So we project that on other people. And that is the root of these mommy wars, which I won't get on my mommy war soapbox and all that stuff about women, you know, shaming other women. But I would say, take it out for other women as well. You should get an epidural. You should have a doula. You should have a midwife. You should breastfeed, bottle, No, just stop saying should for yourself and others. Just remove that word, remove it. Yep. I love it,
1: man. We're solving all the world's problems today, Christy. I do want to ask this because I know you're a big, um, I, unless I'm totally making this up, in which case we'll redo the question, but you're a big book nerd like me, correct? You yes. read, yeah, you're a big reader. So I would love to hear um, a book that's really had a huge impact on your career or and you can do as many as you want um, for those women who are starting out besides Christy's book, which is the business boutique. And you should also <laughs> get that right now. Um, what are some other books that you think are really helpful either to you or to women who are, who are doing their own thing in business?
0: Okay, so I'll give you some of my favorites uh, in the last few years, especially with working with business boutique that have really kind of impacted that. Um, one, I love the book, The Art of Work by Jeff Goins. Uh, it's a great book. There's another book called "Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. Mm-hmm. And this book, by the way, um, it's really small and the whole thing is designed graphic like a graphic design book so it's not just text on pages um but it just gives you permission to not have to be the newest best idea it shows you how to take great ideas and make them your own and so it gives you permission to like okay i don't have to have this pressure on my shoulder to like have the newest best thing that's never been done before um a great book for anyone that's listening that wants to Be a better presenter, communicator, influencer. Uh, There's a fantastic book called Talk Like Ted by Mm -hmm. Carmine Gallo. And this book, uh, he applies it to sales businesses, to meetings. I mean, you don't have to be a professional speaker to benefit from this book, but he talks about the traits of the most successful Ted talks ever given. And so he breaks down what these communicators did and it's just brilliant. And it's all things all of us can do. It's not like something that was unique to them. It's skills you can learn. So that's a, a fantastic one. And then, uh, I'll tell you right now because I'm on the road so much and, um, you know, life is crazy with just time to sit down to read. I've gotten so into podcasts, and I know that's yeah. not what you asked just about books, but I've really been into podcasts because I can multitask, and I have podcasts on when I run, mm-hmm. when I put on makeup, when I cook. Anything oh, like I cook? What a joke! <laughs> I cook like
1: once when every I six months. I do that seven course meal what? every yeah, night what, for what, my why children. Why did I throw out that
0: example? <laughs> Y'all, I'm making your listeners think I cook. I don't like once every six months. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I'll give you some of my favorite podcasts too, because um, this is something like I said that j- can really just help supplement. Especially mm-hmm. if you're looking uh, for help in a niche industry, uh, Amy Porterfield is fantastic on social media. Everyone knows her, but I mm-hmm. throw that out there. Pat Flynn, I love him. He's got the Smart Passive Income podcast and sh- helps you figure out how to create multiple streams of revenue in your business. Nice. And then uh, I've been really into Chris Ducker lately, and he it's the Youpreneur. It's a, um, a UK based podcast, but he has some really cool people on talking about membership sites and um, courses and how to monetize your content. So for anyone that's kind of an online business or online personality, those are some that I think would probably really be a good niche podcast that can help them in their, their specific type of business.
1: And your podcast. Feels and like my you podcast. should mention that. Feels like that's a good one. What yeah. would listeners, what are they going to get if they tune into your podcast? What's sort of the unique perspective that you guys are offering there?
0: Sure. Well, I'll tell you kind of how it's structured because we do uh, the first—I don't know—15 or 20 minutes or so is me teaching on a topic, and then we always bring in an expert on that topic. So, um, you know, I'll teach marketing, uh, a certain angle of marketing, and then uh, we'll have Donald Miller on, for example, to talk Mm -hmm. about story brand, or Amy Porterfield to talk about social media, Um, and then we do success stories of women that are doing this. So it's it's kind of like you bringing on people that you know women entrepreneurs that you've worked with. A lot of the women that I work with, um, I love just telling their stories. Like they're the fuel of what this whole brand is. It's not about me and having all the best ideas. It's really like showing if they can do it, you can do it. Now I'm going to give you some tips on how to do it, but watch them as an example for inspiration, because, um, what I've seen at our events and what I've seen with all the women I worked with is, um, Rachel, the, the, what they think they need and what they actually need are two different things. Mm -hmm. They think they need answers and tips and tools and resources. And they do. Sure. When you come to our event, you're going to get that. You will get lots of answers and notes, but what they really need is someone to believe in them It's someone to look them in the eyes and go, you can do this. Not only can you do this, you're going to do this. And when you do, I want you to write me and tell me your story because I'm going to feature it on my podcast because you have got this and just speaking life over people and um, and just sharing those stories of inspiration that I think that's what is the difference maker of when they walk out of the room from an event or put the book down or turn the podcast off that determines whether or not they're going to do the thing uh, they can you can have all the information in the world but if you don't believe in yourself you're not going to take action on it yes. and so I think that's really the the difference maker I love the success stories and then I answer some questions and that kind of good stuff so it's a good variety to keep it interesting for an hour um, but I and and it's kind of organized topically. So I'll do a a podcast on fear, a podcast on time management, a podcast on marketing, that type of thing. So it's kind of organized that way. But yeah, we just I I don't care how women get the help they need. I don't care if they listen to every podcast in the world or no podcast. I just want them to get the help. So whatever help that is from whomever they get it, great. I just want them to get the help they need to chase those dreams.
1: Love that. Uh, I know that you live your life speaking at conferences, but I'm curious if you go to any conferences yourself that are not Ramsey associated um just to learn more or gain wisdom or kind of see how other speakers are doing what they're doing
0: I gotta tell you I'm gonna sign up for a Tony Robbins con- yes, yes. concert yes, my work <laughs> here I mean, is about it was worth uh, the
1: trip to Nashville and the drinks just for you to do it you have to see it you have to see uh, it in person I have
0: I have heard amazing things and I listened to a recent podcast um with Amy Porterfield telling her story mm-hmm. and she talks about working with Tony Robbins oh, and what she talks about going to the conference and working with him and so that's my, that's my newest one. I want to go, I want to go to that. Uh, I want to go to score. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's basically, um, for public speakers and presenters. Um, Ken Davis, who's just brilliant, uh, a speaker. I've had him on my podcast. He has some, several fantastic books. Um, but just to help you become a better presenter and that type of thing. So I've got a couple on the docket, uh, to sign up for soon
1: that's awesome i just wrote down some so good now i've got a plan i'm just you (laughs) you for sure are going to get credit of all the podcast interviews i've done i have taken the most notes with you just for myself (laughs) just for personal things i need to follow up on in my own life so i feel like that is such a statement to who you are every time that i've had the pleasure of talking to you Um, you, so anytime
0: you're in nashville we're getting together again so um
1: so i ask everyone who comes on the podcast the same five questions and i would love to do that with you Um, they're really easy simple ones uh so what time do you get up in the morning
0: about one hour before i think my children will wake yes, up so exactly if they're regularly
1: right. sleeping till seven i'll
0: wake up at six if they're waking up at six i wake up at five if they wake up at five i'm just struggling. you're in trouble You're in trouble. <laughs> i just i need to start before they do you know yes. i've talked about this like yes. if not you just start from behind it's just diapers yep. and crying and mm-hmm. crazy and you can't catch up so need i try to get minute. up before them
1: yep um are you a coffee drinker and if so what is your order
0: Yes, I uh, just got crazy lately where I started to add a pump of hazelnut. So Ooh, I'm feeling just really it. living on the edge here. <laughs> living uh, on the edge. Just, uh, no, normal, normal coffee with a pump of hazelnut, and I will put a little cream and sugar. I, I also love um, soy chai tea lattes, uh, white chocolate mocha. I like I like a lot of stuff, but it can't. But it it needs to have some kind of dessert sweet well it's also worth
1: saying so when i went to when i was in nashville and i was meeting with some of the members of the ramsey team you go into the lobby and y'all have this amazing coffee shop and what's the what's the woman is it dorothy Mm
0: Dorothy Dorothy
1: okay so Dorothy's back there and they're all like have you had Dorothy make you a cup of coffee and I'm like no I'm good I'm good and I'm a crazy coffee drinker I'd had like 17 cups already and five (laughs) different people like just passing through the lobby what Dorothy hasn't made you a cup you get over there and you have so finally I'm like oh I don't want to hurt Dorothy's feelings and then she's like what would you I mean do you want like a pumpkin roll coffee or a chocolate (laughs) cake it was like these are 700 calorie coffees, so you've got easy access to the good caffeine
0: Yes. She's so good. So
1: fun. Um, what uh, you travel a ton? So what is the one item that you're like, I have to have this when I travel? It is, it's all that you need in life.
0: Oh gosh. Well, I mean, I, I, I feel like I have a long list of things I can't live without. Uh, the most, uh, practical and probably boring and not fun is my external battery. So like my phone dies yeah. all the time. It's a sad phone. I need a new phone, but it just, <laughs> you know, it's dead by noon and I don't even, use it all the time. So I have an additional battery that I bring with me because that's just my peace of mind that it's not gonna my phone's not gonna die. But I also have certain like makeup stuff. So I'll just give you a super girly answer to. Um I don't know the name of it, so that's terrible. I'll I'll give it to you afterwards if you want to put in your show notes. But there's a highlighter that I use on my face. And it is so amazing. Um, People ask me about it all the time. They're like, what vitamins are you taking? Like, girl, that's highlighter. (laughs) That that is not vitamins. Uh, But anyway, so I cannot live without that. Um, So that's probably the best. And then there's some concealer that I use that um, the girl that did my makeup for a video shoot recently, she goes, oh, I love this concealer. She goes, they use it on car accident victims. So I was like, is that are you? Are what you to say
1: so um? Yeah. So my
0: concealer and my highlighter, I would say, are you know are keeping essential. me looking fresh even yes, when I'm struggling. That is
1: important. <laughs> I read something the other day. I was reading. Um, did you read Tim Ferriss' uh, Tools of Titans? No. Oh, you should grab that. It's fantastic. It's um, He did all of these interviews with, uh, it's split up into three categories, healthy, wealthy, and wise. And um, so the first, you know, chapters like doctors and Olympians and everyone's talking about health. Everybody gets like two or three pages of just the most interesting tidbits of, of what they have. So you can read a few pages and then put it down and come back. But um, I was reading his, uh, a bunch of different people who travel have said, I'm like, I got to get into this and I want you to tell me that you do it so that it'll motivate me but um that the big thing is as soon as you land no matter what time zone you're on even if it's like 11 o'clock at night and you just go to the hotel gym for two seconds that you you go do cardio like even 10 or 15 minutes of cardio as soon as you're in that place like resets your body from having flown all day and Honestly, like 20 different people have said that it's their thing. And so now I want to try it. So feel well, free to I'm try that. now I'm notes because I've never yeah. heard
0: this before. So I'm like, I'm like, let me I do this. I haven't
1: either. It was like everyone from like Triple H to like... <laughs> I was like I have pro wrestlers to like people who were in finance and oh this is the key it just it like works all the every I don't even know but I'm like I gotta try that's it. amazing
0: yeah. well I've gotta try I will tell you that one of my favorite things to do in a city is go for a run because yeah. I get to explore yes so I'll, totally. I'll make up routes take my phones and just go you know go find really cool places yeah, so agreed. I do love to run but no I've never heard that like just get the cardio in yeah. even if it's just 15 minutes yeah. that's awesome
1: yeah uh, and that was going to be my next question. So you segued perfectly, which was what's your favorite physical activity? Like what's your workout?
0: So I love to run my husband and I met in a running group. So that's kind of a special thing we do together as well. Um, but running was def- is definitely my core, um, like activity, but, as secondary i love cycling uh, i'll do spin classes but i really love biking like mm. long like 20 30 mile bikes um with a road bike and then i love hot yoga where you just leave sweaty and rung out and exercised and all that good stuff so um those are probably my two second favorite ones but but running is always my because pro- you can just go you just need shoes like you just go anywhere you just yeah. you know trail yeah, runs road runs i don't yeah. care yeah
1: awesome Uh, so the last question is something I ask every single guest on the podcast the podcast is called Deus Deus is a platform uh, from which you speak and so I ask everyone what is the one thing you have a platform what is the one thing if you could tell women listening to this if you could look them in the eye and shake them by the shoulders if you just wanted them to get one thing from you one bit of knowledge what would you tell them
0: well, it has to have a story because you know me, I always have stories. <laughs> but um I I wrote um I wrote something a couple years ago and it was 25 ways to say no. And it was this thing I'd been working on for months and my design department was designing it and all this stuff. And one, one week before I launched it, um, I saw a tweet from a very well-known author with like a bazillion times bigger platform, more followers, more books, everything than me. And it was almost the identical thing that I'd been creating. (sighs) Now it wasn't, it, it was just totally coincidental. She didn't copy me. I didn't copy her, but everything in me said, give up. There's yeah. no point now. Someone has already done what you were trying to do, and they did it better with more of an impact and more of an influence. And um, and what I felt God say to me in that moment that I would leave your listeners with is there's room for you to, mm-hmm. even if there are other people doing the thing you want to do, even if it's exactly what you want to do, even if it's um, cookie cutter of what you think you're called to do, that doesn't mean... That you can't do it. That doesn't take away from what God wants to do through you. And so regardless of your dream or your business, I just want to encourage the women listening. There's room for you too. There's room for your voice and your passion and your talent. No one in this world has your set of unique experiences and strengths and skills and perspective and style and voice. No one has what you have. And so there are people in this world that need what you have to offer right now today. And so don't get distracted by someone else living out there calling just step into yours because God has something for you. There's room for you too.
1: Oh, I love that girl. Thank you so much. I just want to, um, acknowledge how much I appreciate um, your time, because I know that you were super swamped. You just got back from a trip yesterday. I'm sure you're tired. And it's just such um, it's such an example of who you are, even just watching from afar, your personality as an influencer and getting to know you as a friend now is um, just showing up for other women again and again and again, even when you're tired. And I'm so grateful for your wisdom. And I know that the women listening are so grateful for all that you've shared with us today. So I just want to thank you so much for that. Well,
0: thanks. Thanks for saying that. I'm very thankful for your friendship and and glad we got connected. Yes. Next time you're in
1: Nashville for your book meetings,
0: yes. we're we're getting drinks and we're, hanging out. So I'm again. very grateful to be here.
1: We will be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, if you have a moment. And you can write a review or subscribe to the podcast. That is life to those of us who work so hard to produce every single episode. For more information, you can check out deispodcast.com or stalk me on every form of social media. I am Miss Rachel Hollis on every single platform. This week's iTunes review is from username Hollash, which also sounds like me telling you to hurry up, so I like it. The review is... Rachel Hollis is awesome, have followed the host for a while on her other social media platforms, and so was hoping that her podcast would live up to how great I felt her other outlets have been. It has not disappointed me yet. Listen to the first few episodes, enjoy learning about some successful, smart, kind women. Halash, thank you so much for leaving a review. Not only does it inspire me to keep going, but it inspires women who take their time to be interviewed by me on this podcast. Keep it up. If you wanna be featured as a weekly review, well, sister, go leave one, and then maybe I'll choose you, and I'll read it next week. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Jack Noble, and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week.